This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. You've probably read news stories about teenagers sending each other sexually explicit photos or messages via mobile phones, sexting. But how common is it among teens? This kind of behavior is something that we found even in our study among 10 to 17-year-olds increases with age. So the older that youth get, the more common this kind of behavior is, although still rare even among 16, 17-year-olds. Then, with Americans living longer than ever, many enjoying good health into their senior years, is it time to rethink the retirement age? The average Medicare beneficiary is now getting $3 worth of benefits for every dollar in payroll taxes that they put into the system. Those two stories, and much more, are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. From some of the media coverage that's out there, you may believe that sexting, the sending of explicit photos via mobile phones is rampant among teenagers. The results of a new study may surprise you. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Dr. Lisa Jones. She's a research associate professor of psychology at the Crimes Against Children Research Center at the University of New Hampshire. Dr. Jones, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you. Great to be here. You were the co-author of this study of teen sexting, and the results were surprising to many people. First, let's establish what sexting is exactly. What was your specific definition? We started out using a definition that's been used in other research on sexting, and basically we asked youth whether they had appeared in or created or received any images of kids who were under the age of 18 that included nude or nearly nude pictures of those kids. And then we asked them to specify at that point if they said yes, exactly what were in the images that they either created or received. So we got more specific information about exactly what those images contained. Partly because we wanted to be clear whether the images were meeting the definition of child pornography in that they included sexually explicit images. And tell us what you found. It turns out that sexting is not quite as common as everybody thought. That's right. I think partly because in previous research people had used pretty broad definitions. It turns out that when you limit the survey to just teenagers, so we limited our surveys to kids 10 through 17, and you focused on sexually explicit images, it really is just about 1% of youth that are actually appearing in or creating those images. And then we found about another 6% of youth had received such images. So there is that involuntary aspect as well where they may not have requested something. That's right, but they might just receive it. And about 6% of our youth describe that happening. A study from a different organization a couple of years ago reported that 20% of teens had engaged in sexting, but that study included 18- and 19-year-olds. Do you think that maybe made the difference, or is there something else going on? No, I think that's part of what made a huge difference in the numbers. This kind of behavior is something that we found even in our study among 10- to 17-year-olds increases with age. So the older that youth get, the more common this kind of behavior is, although still rare even among 16-, 17-year-olds. But certainly once you get into the age range of 18, 19, 20, 21, the behavior increases even further. So that's partly why they were getting larger numbers than we were. And they also did use that definition of sexting as neuter 
nearly nude. And what we found is when youth are responding to questions about nude or nearly nude photos, they're actually including a lot of things like, you know, sexy poses and bathing suits and things like that. Things that you might be embarrassed about, but we wouldn't be concerned about it in terms of legal ramifications or it possibly being child pornography. You mentioned age. Is there a particular profile of the types of kids who do get involved in sexting? We did find that those who are maybe at risk in other ways tend to engage in this behavior more. So youth that have histories of other kinds of acting out behaviors, youth who are sexually experimenting in other ways, youth that have histories of maybe depression or mental health problems. Some of these kind of risk factors that we think about can indicate youth who are more likely to engage in some of this kind of behavior. You also published a separate study that looked at how law enforcement agencies handled investigations related to sexting, right? That's right, we did. And what did you find? Well, what we found was really, for the most part, law enforcement are doing a pretty good job of handling these cases. You know, you want to let kids know that this is something that could be problematic, that once a picture is sent, it's out of your control that you probably won't go to jail, but you might be embarrassed, and that it's important for kids to know that possession of sexual images is currently a criminal offense in many jurisdictions. So there is the potential for legal consequences. In addition to the concern that sort of a lot of kids are doing this and this kind of behavior is rampant, there's also a concern that police are overstepping their bounds here and that there's all kind of situations where youth are being arrested and maybe put on sex offender registries when it's not the case. And what we found is that cases kind of broke down into three different categories. There cases that involved adults, and these were obviously very serious cases and should have involved law enforcement. There were also another set of cases that we called aggravated youth-only cases, and these were situations that involved sexting, but they had an additional component of either blackmail or reckless misuse or intent to harm. So there was some other element to the situation or the case that created additional concern for law enforcement. And then finally, there was a third category of cases, and these are the kind of cases I think people are concerned about law enforcement overstepping their bounds in, which were really experimental. You know, a situation where a girlfriend was sending a photograph to a boyfriend, and it was mutually consensual, and law enforcement ended up getting involved. And what we found is that only about 18% of those cases was there in a You know, people may still think that's kind of high, but, you know, there may be some additional situations to those cases that warranted that. But that compares to 36% of the youth-only aggravated cases where there was an arrest and 62% of the adult-involved cases where there was an arrest. So it seems to us like law enforcement really are getting these cases, but they're considering the circumstances and making decisions, you know, accordingly about how to proceed. Can you share any advice for parents on how to recognize anything that might be a red flag? Relax a little bit, because we are talking about such a small percentage of youth who are even doing that. I mean, what we really did find is that most youth are making pretty good decisions and realize that this is a risky behavior and even realize some of the problems that can happen. We know there's a tendency to be alarmed. I think the fact that new technology is so new and it's something that youth are more comfortable than adults are at this point. And, you know, there's always a fear that youth are sort of hypersexualized or extreme risk takers. But I think there's a need to sort of calm ourselves down a little bit. There's research out there to actually show that youth today are making better decisions about sex than in previous generations. So, for example, rates of teenage pregnancy have gone down. The number of youth with multiple partners, that's gone down as well. So it really is something that most kids are not doing. And I think that's the first thing that parents need to realize 
What I would recommend to parents is that they have a conversation about sexting in the same way that they would have conversations with their youth about any other kind of risky behavior and sexual experimentation. And I think if parents just have that conversation with youth, that's probably what they need to be doing and then they can kind of feel comfortable that most youth are not doing this. So have the conversations with your kids, but also be aware that in many ways, youth today are doing better than they were 10 or 20 or 30 years ago with some of these kinds of decisions. And they probably deserve some respect for that. Dr. Lisa Jones from the Crimes Against Children Research Center at the University of New Hampshire. Thanks for joining us on InfoTrack. Sure. Happy to be here. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mack. Next, is it time to rethink the retirement age in America? It's a decision that could impact not only seniors, but taxpayers of all ages. The eye-opening story, straight ahead.